0: Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, a podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2022. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are...
1: Tori, they, them, and... Asia Romano, uh, they, them.
0: Asia, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: You were very punctual. I think you were here I... for most of us. <laughs>
2: Okay. I try. Well, it's because I live in fear of, of having some sort of technical snafu happen, so I have to get here as early as possible to forestall the inevitable calamity.
0: That's funny. Being punctual has never stopped technical snafus from happening to me. Um, <laughs> that's <very> true. <laughs> but I think we were free of them today.
2: So far. Knock on wood. Knock, Knock on a Goban.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and yeah, speaking of Goban, we are talking about Hikaru no Go today which I feel like um, I'm, it was like a, a, a manga that I was really into when it came out. And I didn't really realize until we were deep into this project that it actually had a big fandom in the U.S. that was like, you know, doing stuff and writing fanfics and all that kind of thing. Um, and Asia, you were involved with that fandom, is my understanding. Could you tell us a little bit about your background with Hikaru No Go and its accompanying fandom?
2: Sure. Um, I... Oh, this is such a nostalgia trip for me because I have, it's been a while since I read the manga. Um, there's a a Chinese drama that came out. I'm sure you guys know about that um, basically adapted the, it was a live action adaptation of Hikaru no Go for, uh, in Chinese basically. Um, and I sort of avoided it because I just couldn't take the overwhelming amount of feelings that the that, that whole idea of Hikaru no Go gives me. Um, and and like when I when I would see um, teasers and and clips from it, um, they'd have the original anime soundtrack playing in the background, like as part like they basically used it for the new series. And I would just hear that music and have like some sort of like overwhelming um, mini meltdown because of how many feelings I still have mm-hmm. about Ekaruno Go. Um, and I think it's just one of those. Um, series that just does that to everybody who who reads it like they just all like I think I don't know anybody who hasn't read Hicago um I always say I I say Hicago which is not right it to rhyme like Chicago but it's probably more like Hikago. that's sort of like the fandom shorthand um anyway I don't know anybody who's read the series who doesn't just sort of adore it with their whole heart um and I first read it in 2005 I was in the middle of another anime fandom and a lot of people had recommended this one to me, um, because of the, basically because of all the homoerotic subtext. Um, but of course, as you, as you guys know, um, there's so much more to the story than that and there's so much more to love about it than that. Um, and I wound up being in the fandom for about four years, actively in the fandom. Um, I started out by, you know, actually watched about half of the anime at first, um, and then, like I had to take a break because it was getting starting to get sad. It was foreshadowing a lot of the things that happened in the plot later on. And I needed to take a break for about like a year, so not a year, but like I took a break for like, I would say probably six to nine months before I went back and actually finished the watching the anime because I like but in that time, I was like reading and absorbing all the fix. So I kind of learned a lot about all the plot that happened before it actually happened, which I think probably made it a little easier for me to deal with when when I went back and watched the show because I knew what was ahead. I mean, it's obviously foreshadowing all the way through. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and then I um uh I think I read the manga after I watched the show. And then really fell in love with the manga. There's a whole arc uh after the end of the where the sh- the show where the anime cuts off that isn't in the anime. It's actually they adapted it later in a series in like two OVAs. Um, but of course, it's not the same thing as reading It's reading the series. And I just absolutely love the manga so much. It's Obata draws it beautifully. And yeah, it's just it's a wonderful, wonderful uh story. It's just it's full of heart. It's full of love. It's about grief and love and life and death and mourning and hope and finding your eternal rival um and your soulmate and so forth. And like And, of course, about playing Go, too. So it's just like, you know, there's a lot of feelings involved in this story. And anyway, I was in that I was in the fandom for about four years actively and then um, moved on to uh, kind of fell in with a whole other like series of fandoms, Um, but never lost my love for Hikaru no Go because you just can't.
1: Well, like, Asia, I'm glad you're here. And I now feel pretty bad because I have never read Hikaru no Go. I've never seen the anime, and I know about the Chinese television show. I've never seen that either, so.
2: Well, that's okay.
1: <laughs> I remember it. It was around me growing up. Like, I always thought the protagonist looked cool, but then I was like, but what do, why do I care about Go, you know? <laughs> so I never read it, but I, um, I'm learning, and I'm learning just now from you that it's a lot more complicated than that.
2: Oh, you have no idea. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was like, Well, I will say a good thing about this fanfic is it wasn't over my head, even though I don't know much about the series. So that was nice. But I also know, you know, it made me think, oh, yeah, this author likes Go. And I remembered that Hikaru no Go sparked like a whole Go revolution in Japan and in the US, I guess. People started playing it. Mm -hmm. Kids started playing it, which is so interesting because it's just, you know, it's, I guess, technically a sports manga, but just about a board game, right?
2: It's definitely like it's definitely shown in anime, but it's so yeah far removed from like the typical shown in anime plot, right? Um, and um, one of my favorite, actually, maybe my favorite fact about Hikago is that um, uh, in one of the the Japanese Go tournaments, they actually leave an empty seat for Sai, who is the sort of the character at the heart of the series. Um, in his honor and in honor of the show and if you know about sai and his whole deal like it's just the most moving like touching little tribute to the story and i love that so much
0: there's all kinds of things that you two have been talking about that i you know have words to say about i don't know how far we should go down the talking about hikaru no go rabbit hole which you know could take a while
2: (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's tricky because like if if tori is going to watch it or read the the series or both like you don't want to spoil too much because but also like you can't talk about without spoiling the thing that happens like there's like a there's like a hole at the center of the series um like you get halfway through the series and and the and it just sort of drops out like the bottom falls out beneath you and it's it's very it's very emotional and very devastating um even though the show has been for the the story has been forestalling forever that it's going to happen or foreshadowing (laughs) forever that it's going to happen um, and it's still just you know a devastating thing that the story does to you, and so you can't really talk about it without talking about that. But also, you don't want to talk about it to somebody who's never seen it before because <laughs> it will they'll probably um, be like, "What the hell?" and never
1: never go back to it. Look, I I understand, and you know, I'm not going to say that like now that I realize it's such a, you know a beloved series, and it, it seems like it's really good. I'm like, oh yeah, no, don't spoil it. But you know what? I can't say that because I signed onto this podcast knowing that we would talk in depth about these shows. So, you know what? No holds barred. I will still read it and I will still probably love it, even if it's spoiled for me. So there we go.
0: Well, one thing Asia mentioned is the art, which is, of course, great, because the artist mm-hmm. is really. I mean, it's just always a pleasure to look at um, that guy's art. I, I forget his name already. Uh, Abada about about Takeshi. Right. That's He's right. The, yeah. ar-
2: the artist who also did Death Note. Yeah. um So yeah, and um and uh oh, what's the other one? What's the other one? Um,
0: um uh, there, is a, there is another one.
2: Worst anime fan. Worst manga fan. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, it's been a while to
0: too. It.
2: Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'll I'll figure it out.
0: Well, I'll I'll just enjoy being the one who has not, who actually is familiar with the source material. When you're not, Tori, because I feel like the last few times we had on guests, it's like <laughs> you've been like, "Oh yeah, I watched the whole TV show." Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I'm just like I have no idea what this is about, um, but yeah, it's about it's about go. It's about a character named Hikaru. That's enough to get us probably oriented in this fanfic. There's also Akia, <laughs> and yeah, um, this this fanfic is a Hikaru Akia shipping fanfic. And Asia, I've got to assume that w- there was a whole lot of that in the fandom, right? That
2: was the the fandom as far as my experience yeah. went. Like like I mean, there were a lot of side pairings, but like people recommended this this show for the the subtext and for like and like the beauty of the storyline too but like everybody just shipped the hell out of them obviously like they are such a classic otp which you can get from reading this fic and i didn't even ask like i i just assumed that like you guys would be fine with with slash and didn't even think about like the possibility that you wouldn't be but i assume if you're a fanfic podcast you're all about it
0: so Asia, when I first contacted you, I said just to be clear, any amount of gayness is totally fine. Um, in, in case that <laughs> was mean, a question, and, and I think I said, I assume that's going to be important for Hikaru no Go fan fiction. Oh yeah, you don't know that
1: half of it. <laughs> I can't even believe it's a question because it's like, of course it's you know we we read about straight couples, we read about anything. It really is. Sure, sure. Just... Oh yeah. I'd rather read about gay couples. So, (laughs) well, we haven't really talked about the
2: fic that we're talking about. Um, Yeah, please
0: do because you were involved with this fic specifically too.
2: Yes, I so I beta read this fic when it was written in 2008. It's um, called "A Resolution of Territory" by Arboretum, and it's still considered a fandom classic. Like I was looking at the comments on Ao3 just now, and there are a lot of people commenting. You know, ten years down the road, being like, "I still remember this fanfic," or like, "I just got to the fandom, and this is my my one fic." and I wanted to recommend it because I really do think it is sort of like one of those fics that encapsulates um, the essence of a pairing, you know, or and the essence of a fandom to some degree. Um, you know, if you only kind of one of those, if you only read one fic, make it this one, like this would definitely be one of those fics. And so, like, I think, Tori, um, you probably felt like you got the the ship and the show and the dynamic just from reading that fic because it seems like it's very straightforward.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I got Hikaru's personality really well from this. I Mm -hmm. mean, assuming it's accurate to the source, but Mm -hmm. it it was very (laughs) emphasized, yeah.
0: I want to mention that I read this story first before I was inspired to go back and reread almost all of the manga. And I was like, "Geez, was Hikaru really such a self-absorbed airhead? And I went back (laughs) and read the manga and I was like, okay, yes. He really (laughs) kind of was. He absolutely was. The only thing I want to say about his characterization in this is that it was my, my impression reading through the manga that towards the end of the manga, he got it a little bit more together and was maybe a little bit more conscious of the existence of people outside of maybe himself and Akiya. <laughs> um, and I feel like this, to some extent, this fanfic kind of plays up more like what he was when he was kind of a totally oblivious younger person.
1: But it's so funny, though. It's like, I, I just laughed so many times at Hikaru's inner thoughts.
2: No, it's hilarious. It's a hilarious fic, and it's, it's so well written. And the narration is just completely absorbed in his way of, like, barreling through life. And, and...
0: <laughs> I always feel just- sorry for his mom. And, you know, she shows up briefly in this fanfic, too, because, like, as far as he's concerned, like, he's totally taking his mom, or his family in general, for granted. And every time... His mom wants to know anything about what's going on. He's kind of offended. He's like, y- you don't need to know that. Right, right.
2: He's just like, oh, you're so annoying. Why are you here? Like, I Why do love- you have any interest I-
0: in my life? <laughs> yeah. Really, like, I
2: think the fanfic nails the way that the series and the show treats her. Like, it just yeah. She's like, she's there. She's trying to be supportive. But she's very obviously just like this confusing prop who occasionally turns up in his life. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think- I think the fanfic obviously is very self-aware about how what a brat he is, you know. Oh yeah. Um, and I do I do think that the, that it catches those moments of like sobriety on Hikaru's part, like the the moments where he just goes where he is completely, you know, he mature, he's mature and he's in hidden himself, and usually they're related to you know go and go tournaments and and Toya, um, but I, I think it does a really good job of kind of capturing capturing how chaotic he is and how um, almost like, almost like a character with ADHD. Like, I don't know that that I don't think we ever established canonically that Shindo has that, but but it feels like that in this fic. Like, that's definitely a, a reading you can get from his characterization, and I think it works really well, um, and also um, provides such a contrast to the way he plays Go, right? Because he plays Go with such focus and tension, or and attention and, and intensity, and also like the way that he approaches Toya too Because I think like, his approach to Go And his approach to Toya are very like Wrapped up in each other
0: Well if you're talking about it from an ADHD lens Like I've heard it described sometimes as in a, An interest based nervous system Where it's like people, <laughs> people with ADHD Can yeah. indeed get like super super involved in, in things it's just a question of like If you don't have that intrinsic interest it's so hard And there's all these parts In the, in the manga where The people around him Like either Insei or whatever are aghast because Hikaru is super into Go, into playing Go, and mm-hmm. yet he never, he never pays any attention to, like, what's the tournament structure for Go? What does it mean to be a professional? What is, are any of these things related to the game outside of actually playing <laughs> the game? And he just, his knowledge is just so not even there. there people right. are like, what, you should read some Go magazines sometimes. And, like, at one point he's, at one point, Tori, he's in a, a Go salon full of Korean expats, and he's like, oh, they play Go in Korea. And the the people are, everyone around him is completely offended because Korea is a much stronger country than Japan at <laughs> right. playing Go.
1: And he just has no idea. Um, <clears throat> I definitely got that flavor from, from this fanfic. So, like, again, like, props that you can get that characterization in there, right?
2: Well, I think this, this has to do, too, with how he comes by Go as a hobby. Like, he basically, like... We're gonna spoil the whole plot for you now but like one reason this show this, this series the the manga is so unique among shonen anime is that um like like i say i don't know i'm just gonna use shonen anime to refer to all manga sorry <laughs> um you guys know what i mean but like like so the typical shonen trope is like you've got a protagonist he's a preteen he's really into this one sport and then he plays it forever right like that's the that's the trope and but this story opens with Hikaru being, like, he's self-obsessed and bratty, but he's completely without focus. Like, he doesn't have, like, a direction. And he gets this direction because he stumbled, stumbles across a haunted gobon in his grandfather's shed. And the the gobon is haunted by this ancient professional go player who was, like, one of the greatest go players in history, Um, who haunts this Goban because years ago, hundreds of years ago, centuries ago, he was betrayed and falsely accused of cheating at Go. And he was disgraced and shamed. And and now he haunts this Goban. And he basically um, comes into Hikaru's life. And Hikaru, who has no direction and no particular interests that are are all-consuming, is like okay whatever this is kind of weird you're kind of weird but sure whatever you're a ghost and you want to play go all the time so he has to like find ways for this dude to play go because this guy is obsessed with go um and even that like having a ghost living in your head who's uh, who's go obsessed does not obsess him with go the point at which he becomes obsessed with go is when he meets Toya Akira, his eternal his, the wow. guy who becomes his eternal rival for the first time and he basically Meets him and immediately is just sort of like thunderstruck by how much intensity and focus and commitment this kid has. Um, and he immediately is just like, wow, I want to be like that kid. And from that moment on, like for the rest of his life, he turns his attention to learning how to play go. And because he's and Toya Akira is his age, but he's a prodigy prodigy. He is the son of a, a genius go player, his whole family. He's like, you know, like a, a Olympic athlete who's the son of Olympic athletes. Um, but Shindo, by, by contrast, he's, you know, like middle class, average, ordinary kid um, goes to like goes to public school like like he's not a privileged kid who's whose whole life is focused on this one sport. Right. Uh, like his mom doesn't even know he plays go for like half the, <laughs> the show um, because he's just sort of like barreling along, um, learning about this thing the way you would any other like casual hobby at first. Um. But because Hikaru is so I think because he starts out so casually, the way he plays Go like evolves really like chaotically and unpredictably. And he has to work really, really hard at it to get good. Like he doesn't start out good. And in fact, the entire series, he struggles um, to win and to, to even to be on the same level at Toya as Toya, even though he wants to to be his rival so badly. And so a whole major theme of the of the series is struggle and loss, you know, which is I mean, obviously, that's a shonen trope, too. But like the way that this show or the series deals with that is not to hand the protagonist and his team a win and then have them defeat somebody even harder. Right. Like like there's a, a whole subplot involving a character who loses so badly that he has to basically take six months and go to Korea to like learn to become a better player and like the whole like the show just stops and just shows you his journey for like like several episodes just to like emphasize that this is such a like difficult thing and like you don't get good at it overnight and it's just a it's a whole it's a whole thing anyway i don't even know where i was going with that but that's sort of the plot
0: (laughs) i want a tangent from there too because as an adult i found the kind of secondary yinsei characters the most compelling these mm-hmm. characters who are extremely good amateur Go players. Mm-hmm. And they've kind of plateaued in many cases. And it's like, well, if you really, really push yourself, you could become a mediocre professional Go player. And so the question <laughs> is just like, do do you drop it? Do you say, this is about as far as I go? Do you try to like clear that hurdle and become a professional, even though you're not going to be one of the greats and it's clear to everybody? Like, what do you do with your life that way? But speaking of what we do with our time on this earth, I think we should get into this fanfic, lest we fall too deep into other holes. <laughs> um, and I think Asia, you just gave a really good introduction to kind of the dynamic at the heart of the show and the heart of this fanfic. Mm-hmm. And thanks for actually saying the name of the fanfic and the author, which I had not gotten around to either. Uh, apparently was first published in, is the, is the AO3 posting accurate, is it 2008? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And uh, you were a beta reader for this fanfic, right?
2: Yes, I was the beta reader for the fanfic, I believe. Hmm. Um, and I, it actually, Arboretum is one of my oldest fandom friends that we first met in 2002. So um, it's quite a joy to be able to read a, a fic from a friend that you've been friends with for two decades. Um, and uh, and I actually was reading, rereading the comments on the original um, 2008 Live Journal post where this was posted. Um, and we were discussing how like their fixation was was very much in Hikaru and like as a character, like he was their character and Akira was always my character. So um, so in that way, I think we probably like balanced out the the fic as, as writer and beta reader.
1: Well, I would also like to add that in the notes on the AO3 posting, it says beta by the hero of my heart, Asia. So
2: Aww, that's so sweet.
1: It's very cute. Thank you.
2: I don't even know if if they're going to listen to this. I assume that they will listen to this podcast. So um, thank you for being a friend, Golden Girls theme song and all that.
1: We'll insert that in post.
2: Thank you.
0: (laughs) So the fanfic itself is not particularly long. What is it, like 10,000 words-ish? Yeah, that's almost exactly right. And it's divided into three parts, which are titled, what is it? Kisei, Tengen, and Akira. Wait, are there four parts? I think three. I think three. Um, And we get from the very first line that one of the major themes is going to be kind of a a sexual awakening on the part of Mm Hikaru. The first line is pretty funny, which is Hikaru almost, not quite, but okay, seriously, almost has sex when he's 17. Some facts. And then goes into (laughs) it. Um, Definitely makes you think first off that this is a character who does not have any kind of social life outside of playing Go
2: um right and also like no verbal filter
0: <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> also true also a reoccurring thing in the manga right he just says something and then consequences happen and he thinks about whether he should have said it
1: <laughs> and he has exactly the sort of character that you you expect that like things like this to happen to where like he he almost has sex that it's not quite right the, well i mean that's basically the plot is like he finds you know way he has different almost sexual experiences finally sexual experience finally gets together with Toya at the end so that's right, like, like the, that's basically the plot right
2: <laughs> the way that i described him kind of bumbling into playing go is like the way that he bumbles into almost having sex to actually yeah. having sex and in into this bit right
1: <laughs> and it's pretty funny i mean i'm sure we'll get there but you know he's not good at picking up on when people are hitting on him and blah 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 he's it's very funny <laughs>
0: Yeah, the very first section of this has to do with him uh, meeting this, this girl who's not going to be in the story for too long, named Hanai. And kind of starting at a go convention where she's coming her dad and like they get to chatting and kind of start going out briefly. And after that, you know, after that very introduction of kind of him meeting Hanai and such, we're introduced to another reoccurring element in this story, which is Hikaru talking about his sexual life to Waya who is his, like, peer, <laughs> same-age peer and best friend. Um, at least best friend who's not Akira, who has, like, other elements at play in right. their relationship.
2: Wya um, is one of the, like, one of the people who has a life outside of Go, which is one reason why he's not on Akira's level. But he's, he's definitely... Um, he's a hugely important person in Hikaru's life.
0: Yeah, he, he kind of comes across as more of a... Like, kind of, like, more of a boring shonen protagonist. Like, he might be who you would expect <laughs> the... Who you expected the series to be about, maybe, if it wasn't as interesting as it is.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, he does have that, he does have that vibe. He has that, like, um, like, he's just charismatic enough to to have, like, an entire, like, side, um, side plot, basically. But he, right. he's not, but he's not quite, like, he's not, like, typical side character, you know? His hair
0: is spiky enough to be a protagonist. <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to get at.
2: And it's red, so that's always... <laughs> uh, you know it's it's spiky and it's colorful
0: but but in the context of this fanfic why is mostly here to be a long suffering like um sounding board for Hikaru i feel like
1: yeah you know if there's one thing i had i would say about this this fic it's like it is very Hikaru focused, but that's cause it's mostly from Hikaru's perspective and Hikaru is very Hikaru focused. <laughs> so you he get, really you is. don't get a lot from Waia, but you, yeah, you do get the long suffering thing. You know, Hikaru goes to him and he's like, uh, uh, frequently is just like, I don't want to know. You know, and he talks about his sexual experience. I didn't want to know that. Would, stop talking, every sort of thing. But I feel like
0: long suffering has got to be a theme for most of Hikaru's friends. Like, mm-hmm. for example, um, Akari shows up in this fanfic, and in the, in the series, before Hikaru's first, like, official professional match against Akira, he plays a game just to relax against Akari, who's a, you know, amateur Go player just for fun in the school Go club. Um, and apparently, because of that in this fanfic, it is now tradition that he must play Akari the day before he plays Akira in a, like, professional Go match. And he calls her up and he's like, I need you to play Go with me! And she's like, I have plans, I have a date tonight. And he's like, no, it's really, really important. She's like, fine, eventually. Mm -hmm. And that just seems to be a lot of what being Hikaru's friend entails.
2: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, there are a lot of side characters in this fic. Like, it it sort of gives you kind of, um, what's a good word, like an overview slash, like, tour of of all the other people in his life that are still around in his like the world of Go. Like there's a whole lot of people in the show in the ensemble cast and many of them make appearances here, but they're all sort of just these like blips in his whirlwind go um life. Except for Toya and like like Waya, but then especially Toya. Like basically like they're all um in the periphery periphery of this hurricane that centers around him and Toya.
1: You know, I imagine though that so like this didn't like bother me per se, but you don't get a lot of characterization from those people that are being drawn in, and that's fine because like I said before, that's that's not the point. But I was thinking about, it and I was I imagine this is a lot more fun, you know, like as a post series fanfic for people who did have familiarity with the material, because they're they don't need to know who the character is; they already know. They're just seeing them come into yeah, Hikaru's whirlwind. <laughs>
2: Right, right, simp. right. But for you, it's probably like a litany of names that then like appear um, once and never reappear again.
1: A, a bit, but actually really not that bad because I never felt like, oh, I didn't know that person. I might just speak be because I kind of knew the characters from, you know, growing up in the 90s and early 2000s. But I never felt like I forgot who a person was. It wasn't that sort of fanfic.
2: Right. Well, also, like I think their function in this fic is to be kind of... Um... Uh, to kind of be like like long-suffering, um, uh, almost, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, not sounding bored, because that's pretty much like why like, but long-suffering, like, um, I don't know, t- uh, what's the word for the thing on the side of the road as you're walking, like, like, milestones almost, like, not milestones, but like, um, I don't know guideposts, like, just guideposts in his life Mm. that he returns to now and again um, who are still functioning in their role for him as guideposts. Um, Right. But they're sort of, my point is that they're sort of, like, thrust into his orbit and they they just sort of have to deal with him, like, being the way that he is. (laughs) Um, Even though, obviously, they all have their own lives and their own identities, but he doesn't know that because he's just himself.
1: (laughs) Right. I like how you put that, Asia, because this actually takes place over a couple of years. It goes until Hikaru is like 19 at least, I think. Yeah, 19 or 20. Yeah. Um, And it starts, I think, when he's 17. So there's this kind of, you know, the kind of nice thing is that, yeah, the guideposts, they stay there in his orbit despite the passage of years. You know, that's kind of neat.
0: And so... Um, Right, yeah, it's when he's, it's 17 that he has this first romantic relationship, um, and it ends up basically falling apart, where, where after a date, after they've been going out for a little while, Hanai kind of tries to, like, suggest sex. It's a pretty, I mean, there's a lot of pretty funny segments here, but I feel like (laughs) something like this might be worth reading to kind of get the flavor of it. After dinner is when it all falls apart, because she starts fidgeting during the boring movie and suggesting some pretty random things that don't make sense to him. And Hikaru really wishes people would just say what they mean. And finally, she just puts her face in her hands and says, What I'm getting at here, what I mean is do you want to, you know. Wait, 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 Hikaru says, trying to catch up. Are you saying you want to have sex with me? Still with her face in her hands, she nods morosely. You can be so dense sometimes, she adds, which slightly spoils the mood, or, you know, whatever there is of it. (laughs) And, just so...
1: and
2: this isn't even the only time that he, that he leaves some, like, a potential partner, like, completely mortified and embarrassed. Right.
0: <laughs> no, it, it happens twice, for sure. Uh, and But this is the first time where, like, he says no and he's not sure why and he kind of has to, like, you know, process that for a long time. Or, I mean, I would say he needs to process it if he actually thought about things, which he doesn't. I should say that yeah. needs to simmer for a long time in his head, I guess.
1: It's funny because, you know, the paragraph after that is like, he could do it. It's not like he hasn't thought about it once or twice. And then it goes on. He's like, she's attractive. And then he has, he has basically three possible reasons. And that's that he's like, like, it wouldn't be fair to her or something. He would feel like a really mean person afterwards. Maybe he just doesn't know if it's a good idea. And you're like, (laughs) I get that feeling like that confused teenage feeling of like what, I mean, even adults can have that experience. Like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. But what's unique about Hikaru is he kind of leaves it with those questions. Like, he goes to why afterwards, but he doesn't get much from that. He's just sort of like, he doesn't take a long time to process internally. He's just like, uh, maybe uh, I, don't, I would feel bad. Eh.
0: <laughs> I've got to say, one thing that Hikaru has going for him is that he's not feeling any social pressure in particular over needing to have sex, which is, I think, very good on his, like, you know, sexual journey here. And he doesn't have that because he doesn't spend enough time thinking about what anyone thinks of him in the first place to have that kind of social anxiety. So good on you. Um, <laughs> and at the very least, he's he's very good on his consent also. In that he's when he's confused, he's very clearly every time like, "Wait, do you want to have sex with me? Is that what is happening here?"
2: I think for yeah. me, as I read this, um, an uh, this may be just me, like, reading this as a non-binary person. Um, and I believe Arboretum also is non-binary. Um, and so maybe this is something that we're, like, we both um, exper- like have this idea of Hikaru experiencing sex, or at least the idea of sex, in a way that sort of is startling to him. Because I think if you're, like, if you're from the mentality of, of somebody who's non-binary, like, I... Divorce myself as possible from, like, any connection with my own, like, physical reality, like, like, corporeality. Um, And Hikaru's headspace is just completely wrapped up in Go and playing Go and playing Go with Toya. Like, like, Go and Toya, Go and Toya. Like, part of that, I think, is also, like, like, his neurological makeup. But I think it's also, like, like, he himself, like, has to be sort of kind of, like, uh, forced back into his own body. You know, <laughs> and into confrontation with that, and so I think maybe that's part of why it takes him a while to process. Oh, somebody wants to have sex with me. That means I have to think about things like bodies and do I want this and like what does that mean? <laughs> like, like, and it takes him, you know, several a couple of weeks to like f- like think about it, and um, and then later the same thing happens when he's confronted with the reality of of gay sex. Like, he just has to sort of like take a while to process. And to me, like, I totally, um feel that as a non-binary person because like if you like anytime anybody ever hits on me I'm just always like first shocked at all like and then secondly like I I have to like put myself in this like whole through this whole process of like think being forced to think about my body and like what that entails and like what sex entails like it's a whole experience you know and it never um especially if you're a teenager and it's the first time you've you've really done it you know there's a whole um kind of culture shock that, (laughs) that happens
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's like it's pointing to something. I mean, oh, my gosh. And so relatable, you know, being non-binary, you always have to. I know this isn't really what the fic is about, but maybe it is. You always have to walk it back and see why does that person like me? What gender do they see me as? And how does that play into their perception? And I actually kind of realized as you were saying that, Asia. like I actually find that's part of why I find this fanfic so nice is Hikaru has a much healthier experience than I had growing up. Like Amato said, he doesn't feel the social pressure. Like he never had to force himself to like pretend to be a gender or pretend Mm -hmm. to be. I mean, you know, he identifies as male, but it's not really like important in this fanfic, I guess. Um,
2: Right, right. It's
1: like, yeah, he doesn't force himself to do anything. He's very clear about his boundaries and he's clear about what he wants and what other people want. And. It feels really nice to read that sort of story you know i think a lot of us a lot of trans people and queer people like and probably probably everybody had some pretty you know uh not great sexual experiences as teenagers because we're we're all just trying to figure it out um and i like that this is it's still a story of navigating that but it doesn't hikari doesn't go through a lot of trauma around it like he goes through struggle right, right. and i struggle of identity but like not doesn't have to carry that like big old weight. I don't know if that makes sense, but
2: you know, even like when, so I hope I I don't want to jump ahead if you're not ready to Amato, but like when he is confronted with the first uh, gay guy who wants to pick him up, like, like, he's like oh you really exist like which is kind of yeah. horrifying for like like to see And, like and there's that moment when you're like oh god is he going to be like is he going to react badly but then he just sort of like he's like he sits the other guy down and he's like explain like,
1: <laughs> like it's a really <laughs> right
2: <laughs> it's a really um like uh, unexpected reaction i think but also hilarious and very hikarugo like very hikago or very very hikaru i think
0: I think you two have been talking about like, this aspect of Hikaru in like, a very deep and interesting and like great perspective, and I, I have a much shallower thing to add, which is that when we're talking about Hikaru existing like, mostly in a mental space, um, I think a lot of that is his, you know, his neurological just identity, but part of it might also be that his best friend slash mentor figure slash pet was inside his head for years, and that's just <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just what he was used to doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, Tori, I think the author at one point described the relationship between Hikaru um, and the ghost Sai as, oh, Sai's kind of like a best friend slash tutor slash mother figure slash father figure slash pet to
1: <laughs> Well, it sort of makes sense, right? Because he does have to, like, take care of Sai's needs. like you Right, exactly. Want. So this is so funny.
2: <laughs> no, it's really, it, it is, it's very similar. Like, also the fact, like, Sai as a character is very, like um ooh, shiny things like right. mm. he's very like he's very kind of like um sometimes like if hikaru is like a genki kid like um Sai is like an adult genki kid like like they're very similar in terms of like just being kind of like playful ebullient very like high energy like rambunctious you know so
0: and But going back to the story, Asia, you mentioned that there was, there's like a later sexual encounter where he's propositioned by a guy and like has to talk that out and, um, and yes, learn about, oh yeah, okay, queer people are actually people like who actually exist in the world. I need to think about that. And in between, however, the author does kind of get us our fanfic introduction to the Hikaru-Akira relationship, uh, Akira, where I guess in summary, it revolves a lot about them both being angry when the other person does not play good enough Go. <laughs>
1: it's, mm-hmm. it's great. It's great.
0: It's pretty great.
1: Oh, yeah. Hikaru says he hates people like all the time, but only in the context of they didn't play a good game of Go. You know, he's just like, I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> it's really and, funny.
0: <laughs> but the reason it's cute is because that's not disdain. It's, I know you can play better Go than mm-hmm. that. Why did you not play better Go? It's about like, his expectations, his high expectations of his friends, and Akira Mm -hmm. in particular.
2: Well, also, like, his, the fact that he's been possessed by a god of Go, who basically taught him that, like, so in the, in the series, there's this concept called the hand of god, um, and the idea is that, like, like, every person individually is striving for it, but the end of the series is kind of like, actually, you're all... The hand of God together, like, collectively, you as a community are, um, are like, the divine presence of of God in the game. Um,
0: yeah, and even on a smaller level, it's that one person can't play an amazing game of Go. Right. You need right. two amazing Go players to play an amazing game of Go.
2: Right. So, like, and Hikaru seems to, like, despite not being very deep or spiritual in most aspects of his life, like responds very deeply and soulfully to size perception of go and connects very deeply to him. And, and so like he and Akira both are very much in the same wavelength in terms of like, like the community has failed us, you know, when, when somebody loses.
1: You know, this kind of, <laughs> it, it points to, um, this first, um, time, you know, we were talking about, he's exposed to the idea of being queer it's like the guy picks him up because he he's talking to him about his, um, you know, his kifu. I don't know exactly what that means, but <laughs> um, he, he's talking to him about his go playing. And he's like, I really love your go playing, blah, blah, blah. And then they go back to the guy's hotel room or whatever. And when Hikaru realizes he's interested in him, he goes, um, he... It says, Hikaru finds this appalling. What do you mean? He all but shrieks. You mean you were lying about reading all my key food? That is so mean of you. I feel betrayed, <laughs> betrayed, which is hilarious. But then he calms right down when he realizes the guy wasn't lying about it. He just also likes him sexually. Right. It's just so funny, you know, because he doesn't care. He doesn't care about the fact that you know, this is queer or that this guy likes him. He just cares about the fact that he thought he was being lied to about his Go, about someone praising his Go playing yeah anyway and
2: kifu by the way is like your like the sheets like the sheets on which you tally all your go moves
1: ah
0: okay the record of the game
2: yeah like so reading somebody's kifu is like studying their their gameplay and so forth that makes sense
0: (laughs) there's all these really funny cute little like points of humor in this um i feel like in that kind of hikaru akira relationship we were talking about i i found it hilarious when like akira doesn't play a good enough game for Hikaru stands and loses a game and is really upset about it and then Hikaru loses you know his next game and when Akira tries to chew him out about his poor playing Hikaru says oh well it was your fault for not playing a better game of Go earlier and um obviously and, and
2: Toya's like this is the worst week of my life or something <laughs> like <laughs> because because Hikaru has lost like that's just right. how they are yeah.
1: he's so melodramatic
0: <laughs> right yeah, they're
2: both so melodramatic about each other, which is hilarious. Because mm-hmm. Toya, like, his character actually is very quiet and reserved and polite. Like, he's uber-uber polite, except when he's around Hikaru. Because for some... Well, for for plot reasons, like, he just is completely... Like, he's as obsessed with Hikaru as Hikaru is obsessed with him. And But Hikaru being, you know, loudmouth and pushy and bratty sort of pulls that out of Akira, too. Which is why there are so many moments in this fic where, like they're just screaming at each other and people around them are like, what is happening? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the next major thing in the story, speaking of like, I don't know, people around them being what is happening, not about their relationship, but it's another really cute scene where Hikaru, after after hearing all that from the poor the poor guy who had to explain being queer to Hikaru in his hotel room um, and then ask him to leave politely because it's all very, very awkward, um, Hikaru manages to like corner Waya and he's like, this is really urgent. I need to talk to you privately. And, you know, like, grabs him away and he's like, Why? I think I might be gay. And of course, why is like, This isn't urgent, but <laughs> um, at least that thought is there in Hikaru's head now.
1: Right. And, like, why basically, again, is like, Why are you telling me this? And then the whole conversation just sort of ends on the same note the conversation seemed to end on, which is some sort of dismissal. Why is like, Wait, do you have a crush on me? Hikaru's like, Ew, no, gross. And why is like, Okay and then a conversation <laughs> and then
2: like like much much later why is like wait are you serious are you actually a gay like like i think that's sort of a reflection of how of, of hikaru's personality like hikaru can come out to his best choose one of his best friends and and his best friend's like okay whatever and then later like only much later um because of how hikaru is just sort of like this this really like whirlwind of of chaos like yeah. takes him a long time to actually go oh he's actually maybe serious about this okay
0: and, and specifically it's that Hikaru does indeed consummate a sexual encounter with a guy later on and it's only at that point he reports that to Yaya because of course that's the first thing he does that Yaya like realizes it was actually like a thing and not just stuff that Hikaru was saying at some point
1: Right. You know, that actually makes more sense in context. I was wondering why, why I was being so insensitive, but then when you think about it, it's like, because Hikaru just says stuff all of the time, and you don't know if you should right. take it seriously. <laughs> and that's definitely the tone in this fic. Uh, it's really funny.
0: Anything else kind of in the middle of the uh, the story here that we need to talk about involved, like, it, it's kind of building up to a match between Hikaru and Akita, also in the middle of this fanfic, because... Hikaru's apparently holding a title, like holding one of the big titles, of which there's what nine or something. Some um, single-digit I don't, number. I think
2: there are seven, seven. titles, like main titles. But like, so nine don is actually so in this fic, um, Toya is Toya is a nine don, and Hikaru is trying to get to nine don, and um, I think nine don is like your. I, I, I'm probably wrong here, but like I don't think nine Don is about titles you hold. It's like your level of overall play. It's like your classification,
0: basically. Yeah, that's as high as it goes.
2: Yeah, so he's like one of the highest, and um, so Toya Toya is already there, but um, in the meantime, they're both like winning and losing these titles, and the two the the first two sections of the fic are are titles. So the first one is Kasei, which is the title that um. It's at the title that Akura um, loses. Right. Yeah. And then the next one is Tengen, which is Tengen is both the center is like the center move when you've um, it's like a really common opening move when you open at the center of the board. And so there's a whole thing in this fic about um, Hikaru opening by placing his stone next to Tengen, um, which is a whole, I guess, scandalous. There's one of the I love there's like shocking go moves in this in this story, Um but Tengen is also the title that Hikaru is holding and the title that he's defending when he plays Akira. So um, the story is structured like there are two like titles, right? And then the last, I guess, prize is Akira himself.
0: And uh, yes, you were talking about shocking Go-Moves. Once they start up their, uh, their match, which is like you know multiple games, but one of the games of the match, the fourth match, um, Hikaru kind of just on a whim- plays a really strange opening that you know would not usually be played um 1110 apparently and that's apparently one space shy of Tengen uh which is the name of the title and I like that later on when they meet up you know the next day or whatever uh to at Toya's go salon the first it says the first thing out of Toya's mouth is explain yourself about doing hmm. such a bizarre opening
2: Right. And he doesn't, like, it doesn't need further context because they're so in each other's heads and so Go obsessed at all times that they're, um you get the sense through these five different matches that they have and just through all their conversations that they're constantly having an ongoing conversation through Go, you know? Uh-huh. And it just sort of flows seamlessly between them. And um regarding Shindo's crazy... um moves like one of the there's a really great moment early on when he's still learning the game and he's not very good but it's like one of the first times that he really gets into like flow um as he's playing he sort of starts to forget about winning and losing and just see the board as like constellations in front of him and he gets like lost in the act of making constellations and creating you know his universe on the board um, and starts doing all these surprising moves. And it's sort of a flicker of like the the genius player that he will become eventually, because he is known for these unpredictable moves and for, um, I can't really describe this because I have no idea how to play go. and it's it's terribly confusing a complex game. but, um, but the idea is that, like there are these way out there, like totally left field moves that he does that you know, that will spark gasps and shock and awe from the crowd. And it's always like just some, um, um, a mark of how how good he is that he can unsettle even a player as as foundational and, and and together as Toya.
0: Yeah, and there's two things I want to say about this aspect of the plot right here. One is that what I like about this is that it's kind of a character point between them also. And the next uh, the next element of that is that when they meet up, and Toya's like practically angry that, you know, Hikaru did this, but they but he set up the beginning of that game and they play through all these permutations of okay, if you do do that opening, what does that do to the game? And, like, how might it play out? And, like, you know, they're, they're rivals of the sort that are constantly training with each other. Um, but the other thing that it makes me think of is that it must be... It makes me think about the author of this fanfic and, like, how much do you have to know how to play Go to write Hikarno no Go fanfic like this, where you, are trying, <laughs> where you are trying to, like, keep that element in play. Obviously, you could write Hikarno no Go fanfic where, like, you're not worried about the details of, like, where ghost zones are being placed. But this is kind of a similar level of detail that you might get like watching the anime or reading the manga.
2: I think so. And I think like um, uh, Arboretum does know how to play Go at least a little bit to some extent. Um, and actually a comment they made to me years ago about one of my own fixes that I never forgot because you never forget any type of like remote um, constructive criticism that you get in your life. Um, they said to me once that they have a hard time Figuring like when I write when when I write fic or when I when I wrote Hikaru no they said that they had a hard time understanding go in my in my writing because I had no idea what it was doing. So I was trying to sort of capture this this sort of like um, sort of the ebb and flow of of, you know, captures of territory and um, losing different parts of the board and so forth, you know, and, and they were like, you know, when I read your fic, I don't always have I don't feel like i understand go and i'm like that's because i am not a go player (laughs) um but i think one thing that that arboretum does so well in this fic is give you a sense of go without necessarily getting into technicalities you know like you get you get the idea like you you have no idea you might not have any idea what's happening but like on the board but like when they're like oh hikaru lost control of the left side like you know you get a sense of like there's this all this dynamic, this dynamic movement happening and it's very dramatic and very like complicated, complicated and complex. So I think that's kind of all you need to to go on. So I think it's it's flavorful without necessarily being overly technical.
1: It's interesting because like I felt the same way about the go playing and I wanted to make a remark on um, how the shape of this narrative happens. Like Hikaru. um is very focused on mostly, you know, what matches are coming up for him and like other people's playing. And it's not so detailed in the first half, but in the second half, after he finally has sex for the first time, which we glossed a little bit, but it was pretty brief. He had a good time. He asked if he could do it again, but it was a one night stand. Um, And the second half of the fanfic, it's around the half point where he starts playing those games with Toya and Then we're really into the details of the matches. and I felt like this was, you know, this metaphor for for building their relationship because the relationship is always revolved around go. I also felt like I got the flavor of how that was going. I just maybe it's because I don't understand go very well. I almost wished they would have pushed some of the more emotional connections in the matches because even though the metaphors are there and like obviously a relationship revolves around Go and I could understand what they were saying, like Asia said, which is good. Like, yeah, left side control of the board, whatever. You know, you don't need to know Go to get it, which is actually like props to the author. And I was still engaged. I still felt like I wasn't sure. I know Hikaru was invested in Go and toy is invested in Go, but it sort of feels like, I don't know. I guess I didn't know where their relationship was going based on these Go matches. Do you know what I mean?
0: I know what you mean, but I think, I think it worked for me because the central thing here is kind of th- about them building something together. It's, it's a really cool little sequence where, like, Icaro mm. does a crazy opening in one of their games. They go back and they study that intently because it was so weird. And then in a later game in the... the is match the term for the series of games. Mm-hmm. Um, later on in the match, Akira gets to open he does the same bizarre opening that they just tried, did all this study on together about like ways that the game could go. And that's, it's kind of like a, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very intimate as far as playing a strategy board game with someone can go, I feel like.
2: Yeah. And and there are some, there are like all these intimate touches too. Like Hikaru keeps noticing Toya's, you know, familiar hands, like, and he notices that um like right as he's realizing that he mm-hmm. is in love with him too like um spoiler alert like, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh but like you know and they're the, the way that their eyes meet over the board right and like he can tell you know he, he can tell Toya's mood based on how like where he moves in the game you know like when he he does that random opening um Hikaru is like oh you want to fight we'll give you I'll give you a fight right like it's just very um, it feels very intimate without necessarily like having them say, oh, I feel intimate today. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's very it's like very much like them communicating through uh, gameplay. And I, th- I think that comes through even if you don't know much about Go. But this, of course, might be just be me being biased because I ship them. Right. So.
1: Well, I totally think it comes through. And I think my only thing was that I wanted it to be like pushed A little bit more to understand, like maybe because I don't know the characters very well and that might have just been my problem, but to understand what their connection is other than being go rivals, because if they're going to build a relationship, which is the implication of the end of the fanfic, what is the foundation for that relationship? What do they have in common other than go? So that was um, but I do like and I will say it is fun to see these go matches like the little details that you all are bringing up. It is fun to see and it feels very like tonally right for the material.
2: I think it's interesting you brought that up because when I was rereading it um, earlier, I was thinking about that, that absorption, that absorption and just go and nothing else. <laughs> like the fact that neither of them have I, like neither of them have any life outside of go like and they want it that way. And they've been able both of them have been able to build their career around this. And, you know, which is a rare enough thing. And I was thinking about like, um, That idea is like a form of escapism, you know, because how many people would love to just be able to um, to devote themselves to one singular passion, right? And not only that, but to find somebody else who is also just as devoted to that one singular passion um, that they're also attracted to and in love with, right? That they can just entangle themselves um, around this thing that they both have in common. And I think, you know, people... People do that successfully, you know? And I think to the outsiders, like to everybody else looking in, it does feel like, um, I think it can feel like they're, like they as an entity are sort of um, unknowable, right? Because they are so wrapped up, mm. up in each other and wrapped up in this thing. And I think this fic does a really interesting um, trick of portraying that as something that's so um, kind of homey and comforting. You know, I think it written another way and in a different tone. I think it might it could be, you know, codependent and scary. But I think for these two people and their lives, like they it seems to fit them and and who they are and the the lives that they built together. Right.
0: I also think that a little bit of kind of the the way this intimacy is playing out. I mean, still all go related, Tori, but like some of it is is kind of there for the fans who have read the whole series, right? I'm looking at the end of kind of the next sequence after the end of that title match, which Hikaru ends up winning, but they both end up in the bathroom and they're basically like on an adrenaline high after that extended intense, like, you know, Go match, Go game. Um, And that's when Hikaru like kisses Toya and Toya responds very enthusiastically and they kind of have to disentangle themselves because they're like in a bathroom at a place where they were playing go. And that is not the right place. And Hikaru is in the
2: middle of doing, like, interviews interviews with the press. Like, he's in the middle of a press conference and he walks away. So he has to go back to the press conference.
0: Right. So at the end of that scene, um, right, they they, they pull themselves away from each other. They both close their eyes and just concentrate for a second on not dying. Breathing would help. (laughs) You have to go back, Toya says eventually. They'll want you to finish the interviews. Then he pulls away again, and when Hikaru looks up, he finds Toya staring searchingly into his eyes. Come to my room afterwards? Hikaru doesn't need to be able to read cues to read this one. Wait for me, he says decisively. And Toya smiles, the kind of sweet and unguarded smile he rarely shows anyone. Always, he laughs. And that's, you know, a cute little exchange, but it's also... Like, in the main Hikaru no Go story, Akira waiting for Hikaru is a big thing in their dynamic. Because mm-hmm. for plot reasons, they end up being rivals. Dedicated rivals we are always paying attention to each other. And Akira is always way better than Hikaru. Even by the end of the series, there's no question that Akira's a better Go player than Hikaru. Not by that much by the end of the series. But it's not, it's not in question, which is kind of odd for a shonen series. And so, um,
2: and Hikaru is always telling him, wait for me, I'll right. catch up to you.
0: Exactly. Mm. Like, I, he, he'll catch up, exactly, exactly that. That's exactly how he puts it all the time. And Akita, at a certain point, is like, okay, he sees Hikaru like, growing, even at some point he loses faith, he's like, oh, actually, Hikaru's a terrible Go player. But like, once he sees Hikaru like, gaining ground behind, that's what he's doing. He's like, I'm forging ahead. Well, or may, maybe at some point he's like, I'm not waiting for Hikaru, I'm making my own path. But like, he'll catch up, he has that faith. And so that kind of, like, Akira being the more grounded person or entrenched person, and Hikaru being the one with more motion, who, like, will reach that point where Akira's waiting for him, is kind of at the core of their rival identity. And here it's kind of being turned into, like, a cute little point in their romantic identity also.
2: I think, too, there's so much, what you described is so accurate but also largely goes unspoken between them um and i think part of that is because like they are both really conscious like conscientious about going about making each other their rival like toya basically has been looking for somebody to rival him since he was like a very small kid because he's better than everybody his own age right like a a same Um,
0: age peer right rather than like a you know seven-year-old man or whatever
2: yeah, like he has to play all these adults. <laughs> and so he's really desperate by the time he meets Hikaru for somebody who can who can be his rival. And so and he thinks he sees a glimmer of that in Hikaru, but Hikaru being himself is just a disaster. And, you know, um, and so really frustrating for Toya for many, many years. But he sort of like when you, when um, Amato is talking about him having faith, like it really is like kind of like a spiritual faith almost that he that he believes Hikaru will will become his rival one day, you know? And meanwhile, Hikaru is like, you know, obsessing, Hikaru is like obsessing over him the moment he meets him. So he's doing his best to like catch up and so forth. But it is very, they have this kind of unspoken, like soulmate kinship almost over, over go, <laughs> um, that they, that they sometimes talk about obliquely, but mostly don't. So it's very much like, um, you get the feeling that that's how like romance will be for them too. Like they don't really talk about it at all; they just do it. You know, they fall into it, and then it's like it's always been there.
1: Yeah, and and Hikaru even says, you know, that in an and like kind of an internal monologue, like, oh, this is why no other relationships have worked because it was always meant to be a Toya. And I like that, and I think it's very romantic. Um, their kiss in the bathroom, making out in the bathroom, is sort of cinematic. It's like this. Um culmination of tension right um it it works really well for the pacing after a long stretch of go games where the tension is sort of building right
2: and of course it had to happen after the the match right like it had to happen Mm then
1: of course yeah and like kikaru even goes on to talk about like in interviews i forget this is before or after the two of them have sex, which obviously they do. But in interviews he's doing about his game, he's getting turned on by the thought of like <laughs> beating Toya or Toya beating, I think, what uh, or the other? Uh, I think it's really kind of adorable in a way because I was thinking about it, I was like, I don't understand the foundation of their relationship because it seems like it's just go. And I was like, well, I guess it is just go because that kind of is who these characters are. And for the author to take just playing Go as a relationship foundation and, like, turn it into something that I know, feels all-encompassing for both characters is actually pretty well, it's good. kind of like, like Go is
2: a, a metaphor, almost, like, for yeah. both of them. Like, because I think to, like, to Hikaru, Go is his connection to Sai, like,
0: mm-hmm. and,
2: and yeah. he can't share Sai with anybody else because nobody will ever believe him if he tells people there's a ghost in his head. So like nobody knows that Sai exists which is actually a huge huge hurdle for him like and it's like it's a major point of angst as it would be if you had a ghost living in your head that you couldn't tell anybody about but who occasionally played go as you um and who then made everybody think that you were a go genius um so to to some degree like there is more than go because there is this aspect of Toya being the person for Hikaru who can see Sai's go in Hikaru and distinguish them because at some point like Sai fig- like Toya figures out that the person that he saw and was drawn to initially um for reasons like he- that he will never be able to explain or articulate like was not Hikaru's Go, so the whole, the series is called Hikaru's Go, Hikaru and a Go, for the reason that it's about Hikaru finding his own go separate from Sai. And the culmination of that moment is the moment in the series when Toya out of nowhere basically tells Hikaru, I, I can't explain this, I, will, I don't know what I'm saying right now, but there was another person inside of you, there was another player, and the player that you are now is not the player that I first met, and to to hikaru that's everything like and and he had almost it's almost like he had faith somehow subconsciously that toyo would be the one to see the difference between them you know and that mm. to him makes sai real and makes sai you know more than you know just a product of his own head because i'm sure at some point he probably was like do i have you know dissociative identity right now yeah. um you know um and also like and so like it's really hard to explain, but, like, there is that element of, like, being spiritually bonded, um, not only through the game, but through, like, this connection they have via Sai.
0: And Asia, my recollection is at the end of that scene, after Akira shares that theory, and then he's like, but whatever, that, that, I must sound crazy. And Hikaru's like, maybe I'll tell you someday. And yeah. And Akira's like, tell me what? And Hikaru's like, nothing, geez, forget it.
2: Right, uh, and there's know. a whole, obviously in fanfic that becomes a huge, huge, <laughs> sure. like, moment, like, the moment yeah. that he finally tells Toya, right, and, like, it's always, like, suspenseful, like, will Toya believe him, or will, will it matter, like, what, you know, obviously, you know, so, and I liked that this fig did not deal with that.
0: <laughs> I-, I was gonna say, I'm sure that must happen a million times in fanfiction, so I do kind of appreciate that this author didn't need it as, like, a way to kind of bring them together or like create a kind of climax in the evolution of their relationship or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of has a different focus. But speaking of climaxes, the start of three is the sex scene.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Which is pretty good. I mean, my favorite part <laughs> is that at one point they bonk heads because they're so eager and they're like 19. Right. So I was like, that's so realistic. Like I just, it like, it didn't feel like pornography. It felt like just this, you know, Right to like over eager, <laughs> yeah. Things went very well for a first time, but I do like that they had that like bogging heads. Thing.
0: Well, there's a couple moments like that, Tori. There's also they end up making a huge mess of things. Hotel lotion oh right, everywhere. right. Like, I love like- that.
1: Oh <sighs> uh, yeah, because I think ugh the lotion. That's I, I mean don't
2: know. better <laughs> lotion than no lotion. But well, yeah, it's a,
1: just, like uh, it's
2: such a great detail too. Things.
1: But yeah, Yeah. exactly, because what, you know, they weren't prepared for this, like, obviously.
2: Right, yeah, there's, like, there's a lot of, like, noses bumping, like, shirt grabbing, like, it's very, like, they're very desperate for each other, like, and you get the sense that they really have been waiting for this for years, right, so.
0: And it's all very wholesome and positive, just the whole, like, we were saying before, like, the whole sex throughout this story, it's like, there's no trauma, it's all just, like, learning and growing and figuring out, like, what you want and what you need and how to connect with your partner, and, like, it's all positive. And, and that's, that's a nice thing to see sometimes.
1: They're talking so much. It's like not, it's not a lot of words, but it's just like this brief, like, let me please or yes. Or like, just like consent is so there. I just, Yeah. Yeah. I love how, yeah, wholesome. It's a wholesome gay sex scene in a
2: hotel. Right.
1: And election. then at
2: the end when they're like afterwards, like later, they're like, they're lying there and then. Hikaru is like I think this is the best day of my life and Toya is like I think it's the best day of mine and like it's not like a confession or anything like it's just sort of like they are themselves and they there's just this unspoken acknowledgement that this is how it's supposed to be right
1: ah yeah they have like this holding of gazes when they're lying face to face which is yeah feels very romantic yes
2: his sticky hand brushes against car's
1: face. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it's sticky with the lotion. Whatever.
0: And yeah, it's cute afterwards too. Like the next morning, um, Hikaru just kind of like throws away the suit, um, explaining that, you know, he has the money for a new one. And this way, quote, I won't have to explain to my mom why I'm missing like all the buttons off my shirt.
1: Oh yeah, because his shirt got ripped all the way open.
0: It... all the buttons came off, yeah, and that part continues. He's also sore as hell and spends most of the morning at breakfast trying not to look as though he'd just spent the night having gay sex with his eternal rival. You both look really worn out, whatever Mura comments, which is someone whose name Hikaru can't recall, which is also a wonderful touch. Something Mura. <laughs> when he passes by them at the breakfast buffet. I guess that game was pretty intense, huh? It was, Toya says smoothly. He barely flushes when Hikaru glances at him. Who knew Toya would turn out to be such a good liar? which I think is a good character beat for him, because I, th- I also believe he would be a very good liar, especially compared to Hikaru. He's, right, he's especially when like he's a... trying
2: to disguise the fact that he's been shagging. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, but I mean, just in general, he's like he's got a lot more poise than Hikaru.
2: Right, like earlier on in the fic, there's um, there's this moment when is like, ooh, maybe I'll drop a hint to Waiya that I had sex, and the next thing out of his mouth is, guess who had sex? Like, <laughs> Yeah. So compared to Hikaru, like Toya, um, Toya's game is much much better.
0: Oh yeah. Um, And then the fantasy kind of closes out with Hikaru deciding out of the blue it's time to move out of his parents' place, and so he gets himself you know a new apartment. And like most things involving his mother, he does not tell her any kind of warning. He's like, I'm moving out. Um, And then his poor mom. I know.
2: Like that's not the fake, that's the that's the show. That's the series, like the show. (laughs)
0: That is exactly how he behaves with her all the time. Um and and then he's kind of and then he asks Akira to move in with him. Um, into like the new apartment that he got. And I like the way he phrases it. Um he says, Come live with me, it'll be amazing. We'll play Go all the time. I feel living with you would be a very unwise decision, Toya says, but allows himself to be taken to the apartment anyway, which is, you know, also right on point, I think, here. Against his better judgment, he's going to be pulled along into this vortex and, you know, move in with Hikaru.
2: And that's almost like like physically that happens in the this, the show. Like there are so many moments where where Hikaru is just literally physically tugging Toya places. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Toya is just being like letting himself be dragged along because that's just how they are. Like, that's their dynamic. And I think there's this sense here that Toya knows he's going to be dragged into this and he's pretty happy about it, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, and it ends on this like nice little scene. Well, not the very ending, but there's a nice little scene where like they live together and Hikaru comes home and Toya is sitting there with the Goban set up. Like, let's play a game. And... Uh, oh, no, that wait, is that is the, is the very last that's scene. The yes, yeah. that's the very last scene, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you're back, too. Shall we play a game? That's the last line. And it's just, like, it's so cute because there's, like, the sun is almost setting. Um,
2: right, and they're still, you know, like, they're backdropped like, against the, the sunlight. And, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And also, too, like, the, the last note is, like, Toyo waiting on 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 Hikaru, you know, to get back home so they can play, and it's just very, like... You know the the ebb and flow and the balance of their relationship being um you know it's very healthy and wholesome <laughs> we say wholesome a lot but it's, it's very like they are very it is. wholesome as a as a dynamic which again i think like in other in another story in another like like framing it could be very dysfunctional and and weird you know <laughs> um and it is weird, but like it's it's weird in a fun, healthy, dorky way, and not like a codependent nightmare way.
0: Um, I guess I'd like to. A I, I thought it just occurred to me, which is that we didn't really talk about the title. Um, but the title is a resolution of territory, and my understanding, Asia, maybe you can clarify. That's like the late game stage of Go. Mm-hmm. Where yes. for the most part, a lot of the major plays and decisions have already been made, and it's sort of like hammering out, you know, the shapes of the territories that are going to end up being controlled um, by each player.
2: Yeah, and there's actually a line in the fix somewhere about like Hikaru watching territories resolve themselves in the late stage, um, in like in finally, you know, being able to turn to determine which. Which player has control of which part of the board? So it's exactly like that, and and I think that kind of goes uh, ties into the fact that the the section headers are the two the two matches the two title matches, and then Akira, right? Like, so you've got this idea of of Akira being part like one of the territories that that Hikaru resolves, basically, you know.
0: Yeah, I I mean, that's kind of more or less the sense I got from the title, which is this idea that all of these main plays have already been made in the evolution of their relationship. And now it's kind of shaking out the way that it was always going to, given all the things that happened earlier on. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. like a a resolution of sexual tension, it might as well be, right? Like a resolution of territory in that sense.
2: And Um, I think that's why... um when Hikaru realizes that it's Toya you know and he's like oh of course it's gonna be Toya it was always gonna be Toya he's like obviously like he doesn't even react to it it just like slots into place in like every other thing about the relationship
0: and I think that that we're not supposed to take that line as like oh we were destined from the moment of our birth like we're soulmates but like oh yeah of course that's who he is in my life he's like you know the person who I love in these senses like okay that makes sense given all these things that have come before also.
2: And I think that's how Akira sees it too. I think that's the impression that you get. Like Toya is very, um, you know, after he gets over the initial shock, like he immediately is on board. Right. And again, they don't have to talk about it. You know, (laughs) a lot of fix, there's always this, what really you, you, you know, (laughs) know, there's like a lot of like explain explanation in between like all the kissing. Um, But they don't like this particular pairing doesn't need that. Like, Because they are so much in each other's heads and on each other's wavelengths, you know. Which is another thing I think makes this one of those fics that like, you know, if you only read one fic to capture the essence of the fandom, like this is a good one because it sort of has all those beats um, like inherent to the story.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Like, um, I felt like I really understood, especially this pairing via this fic.
2: Yeah, they're, they're a very good pairing. They're very sweet. They're very, um, it's a good ship.
0: Uh, Akita is such a cute kid too. I mean, especially when he's younger. Um, he's just like such a His such little a page nice... boy haircut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's just so nice and polite and, you know, helpful.
2: And then he turns around and starts screaming at Hikaru.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like that's the only thing that kind of gets under his skin throughout the whole series, it seems like, is things relating to Hikaru. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is
2: how you know it's an OTP.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And there's that moment where like where Waya is like in the thick there's the moment where um uh what is it? Like I forget what the setup is, but um oh Morishita is talking about like how intense Hikaru is preparing for his match with Toya. And uh, Morishita is his, is their tutor, and um and he tells Waya like if you cared this much about beating Toya, you could be a, you have a higher Don level, and Waya mutters like nobody cares as much about beating Toya as is Hikaru, and then kind of coughs, <laughs> and it's like one of those like it's again one of those like fanon moments, you know, um one of those like oh we see you telegraphing the the ship from a mile away type of thing, but it's it's so cute and so true.
0: All right, that's the end of the fanfic. Is there anything that kind of happened in the text that we skimmed over or jumped over or did not address that we want to talk about before we move into our final thoughts and comments?
2: Yes, Um, and that is the throwaway line um, when, that's not throwaway at all, um, but is an offhand remark that uh, Hikaru's grandfather makes when Hikaru goes to visit him Um, His grandfather was the owner of the go bond that that was being haunted. And his grandfather is the only one in his family who can follow can remotely like follow along and understand Hikaru's go matches. So Hikaru always makes a big show of like being like, I'm going to be on TV. You've got to watch my match. Um, But he goes to visit his grandfather and um, to to do this, to get him ready to watch one of his matches. And his grandfather casually is like, why do you always go into the shed when you come visit us? Why is that the first thing you do? Um and that line is so important because this fic doesn't mention Sai at all. Um and only indicates twice that he is on Hikaru's mind. And one of those is the moment when he um clutches his fan right before he goes into the match, his first game with Toya. Um he has this moment of being kind of like silent and reflecting and then gripping his fan um and his and that's a signifier if you're familiar with the canon because in the the show in the series at the end of the series um well really or at the end of the anime really like at the at the climactic point of the series um hikaru realizes that he can how do we need to spoil? Okay, I'm just gonna spoil it. Sorry. So like halfway through the series, Sai vanishes. So Hikaru has had this person in his life, in his head, who has taught him how to play Go, and he's in the middle of his like road to becoming a GoPro and being like a real serious GoPro. Um, and he's got this whole world that Sai has opened up for him. Um, and half of these people think that he actually it like most people think he actually is Sai because he Sai was playing, um, Hikaru's early matches. Um, but also Sai is his pet, like his below, like his father figure, his mother figure, like like the most important person to in the world to him. And then one day, um, on May fifth, which is Hikago Day, and like it's Hikaru no Go Day in the fandom, like so, and like even now years later, like on May fifth, somebody will like every year somebody comes up to me and wishes me happy Hikaru no Go Day, which is just so. It's wonderful, but it's also really awful because it's it's weird that this is like the worst day in the <laughs> the series, but it's like the day that everybody celebrates um, because that's it's boys day in Japan, like it's an actual holiday. So on boys day, uh, Hikaru wakes up and Sai is gone and and he has to mourn him. It's a death that he can't talk about with anybody because nobody knows that Sai ever existed um, and. And it's a hor- it's horrible. It's like one of the worst things you will ever read in your life. It's absolutely so traumatic to like experience. Like and to me personally, like it this show, this series, this manga has always been something that I like um it's always been this thing that I really associated with like deaths in my own family. Like I I just sort of grieved people around me through like grieving size loss in this fic, if that makes sense. Or excuse me, in this in this manga. Um, because it was so visceral and and Hikaru's emotions are so real and he mourns for such a long time. Like he mourns for years. Um and finally, like when he pulls out of his 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 funk and his mourning phase, um and and returns to the world of go like really like makes himself refocus on everything. He realizes that he can take Sai with him by holding by having a fan because fan, Sai always played with a with a fan at his being like an ancient Heian era ghost. He always had a fan with him. So Hikaru out of the blue starts using this fan and taking it around with him as his like mem his like way of remembering Sai and keeping him with him whenever he plays go at all times. So this is the only time like one of the only two times the the fic really indicates that that Sai is that he still like has him with him at all times. And the other time is when his grandfather makes this throwaway remark about why do you always go in the shed first? And it's because like Car is going into the shed to to say hello to Sai, to say hello to the haunted goban and say hello to um oh, maybe maybe he hopes to see him again, you know, like um but that that one line means so much if you're familiar with the show um because it it's just so casual so, like and Hikaru doesn't like think about Sai at all during all of this like very like internal like like internal narration um or at least we don't see that he's thinking about Sai but you get the this one line tells you that Sai is always with him and that Sai is still like at the center of everything he does um, and it just it means so much to me that I had to like talk about it. <laughs> so um, sorry for babbling, but like it—that's the thing to me. Like, Hikaru Go is so much about like grief, um, and you don't expect it to be. Like, you you think you're coming for this like very cute story of like like two boys in love, like falling in love over a, a board game, and then you're you get hit with this like huge onslaught of, of a coming of age story that that has to put you through hell in order to like. Um, it come out the other side and and realize all these things about community and continuity and faith and you know spirituality. Um, and it's very rude of it to do this to you, <laughs> um, and to give you all these feelings. But there's such a huge part of the show and and or excuse me, the manga, and this the the story would this this particular fanfic would not be complete without that. Like it would not mm-hmm. it wouldn't be quite right if it didn't have that one moment of acknowledging how, how deeply, how deeply internalized, um, Hikaru's love for Sai is, so.
1: Wow, that's, that's a, that's high praise, and I, I definitely feel like I have to read the manga now, so, end of story. (laughs)
0: Um, yeah, I'm glad you didn't let us skip over that moment, you're right, I, I noticed that in the moment, and you're right that it is pretty exceptional that Sai doesn't come up, except obliquely, a couple of times in this story, but you're also totally right that it, It's necessary that he be addressed at least obliquely, um, you know, for his role in in Hikaru's life.
2: And I I love it. I think it's so well done, you know, the way that he, he, it doesn't need to be stated. Like Hikaru doesn't need to say it to us because, um, because Sai is everywhere in his go-playing, you know, Um, which is why it's great that it comes from somebody else.
0: Hmm. Well, if that's the last part of the fanfic proper that we needed to address, then I think it's time for us to close up. And this, this first part might be awkward for you as, you know, a beta of the story, Asia, but usually we start with a round of criticism of things that we thought could have been done better or that might've rubbed us the wrong way in the story before ending on saying our favorite part about the story. And so if you need to pass, you know, for your personal reasons, that's totally fine. But Tori, and it, but but if you're if you're willing, to <laughs> in, you can. it. Oh, I I can do it. I can try okay, anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't need to reach for it. Like uh, sometimes we read a story and we're just like, yeah, there's really nothing. Like maybe a little. Eh. Um,
0: sometimes when a story has done what it's setting out to do so well, that I'm just like, I don't know. It, it could be a different story, I guess. <laughs> right. Like, it, it could be a story that I liked better. But there's nothing. No problems here.
1: But anyway, the goal is to be constructive. So. Right,
0: right, right. <laughs>
2: Well, I know one well because I'm friends with the 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 author like I know one criticism they had of the story after the fact was that they they thought it might have been too easy like too too fluffy almost you know um and it is a fluffy story like to some degree, but it's it's written beautifully in a way that to me doesn't feel like like fluff like it doesn't feel um like it like it lacks substance, right um but I do think there is the sense that it's all very easy, right? Like this, even the ending, like Toya being wreathed in, in like a setting sun, like against the sunset, you know, as they sit down to play go happily ever after, right? Like um, you could make the argument if you wanted to, that it is too easy and, and cliched. But I think so um, it's almost like a palate cleanser from the series that is all about struggle, right? And loss and constant like striving and the the point of it to me is that they're striving together um I would also say maybe if it does feel too easy that's probably because like you know when you're in the fandom and you're getting all of these other fics around you right like you're having a conversation with other with other writers and with other authors and with other with other fics right so this fic placed itself um in a niche where, like, I think it was one of the first fics, really, even though it was written rather late in the fandom, um, to kind of really explore Hikaru figuring out his sexuality, you know? Um, and I think you could also make the critique that it doesn't do that deeply enough. Like, Hikaru kind of barrels through it, like he barrels through everything else, and, like, maybe he doesn't have enough, um, sexual encounters before he finally winds up with Toya. Um, but I think you could also, uh, counter that by saying that like he doesn't need to because like everything else in his life Toya like is the like the end all the be all end all for him so um. so yeah
1: yeah that's that's so similar you know to what I was thinking I've i already talked about this and I've gone back and forth but again it's hard to say it's a criticism um, because I understand that this is like within the genre it is supposed to be it's supposed to be a little fluffy you know it's supposed to be a little light. It's supposed to be a little fun. Like you pointed to that Asia and, but I still, like I said before, I want, if they're going to live together, I want to see a foundation for a relationship. Like, and a part of this might just be because I don't know the source, but like, I didn't feel like I knew Toya very well cause I don't know the source, but I also didn't like, I don't think I even needed that much from Toya except like something in their relationship other than Go and other than sex that would bond them and make it seem like they could successfully live together. Cause that's the thing is it's really cute when, you know, Hikaru comes home and they go bond set up and all that, but it's like, it's still go, it's it's nothing else. So I don't know, again, <laughs> I, I do I'm not sure if that's like a full criticism, but.
2: In the sequel, like, so there's like a really short sequel. It's like a like about 1500 words um, that comes after this. That's from Akira's point of view. And I think you do get a little more of that, like, what daily life is like for them. And, like, like because Akira is not in, thankfully, is not as wrapped up in his own head and his own self as Hikaru is. So um, there's a little bit more, um, like, outside reflection <laughs> happening in his point of view than there is from Hikaru's. So I think um, the author does that well. Um, I think... Uh, I don't know if you would say, like, it doesn't make any less fluffy, but I think at least tries to give some sort of, like, um, depiction of their daily lives that that doesn't, that, you know, they're, I don't know, they have, like, this whole thing going with, like, male, like, um, (laughs) you know, who, how they interact with, you know, like, domestic life, things like that, you know, so there's that, at least, so Hmm. there's an effort.
1: yeah. Yeah, and like I said, it's a struggle for it to be a criticism because I do think the author basically set out to accomplish what they wanted to do with this and and nothing like really takes away from it. i just I wanted the foundation to be there in the start, but it's nice to know that there is more, so that's good to know
0: um and i think I think I touched on my criticism before too, in the characterization of Hikaru specifically, which is at the part of this, I think it is not at all inaccurate I, I, I don't think it's at all an inaccurate portrayal of like early series Hikaru. And I think it's a bit exaggerated for End of series Hikaru, because I, I feel like I saw having just reread the manga, more of him like actively, or like noticing other people without prompting and being a little bit less of a like self-absorbed, you know um, creature. And I know that, like, this, the, the way this story plays him is very entertaining to read. Um, but I just think maybe maybe it also would have been fair for him to gr- have grown a little bit more.
2: It does feel like it could be, a, like, a couple of years younger.
0: Yeah, Yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. If he was on the trajectory that he was on in his character, kind of, or, like, personal growth in the manga, I don't really see him being quite this bad at 19. In terms <laughs> of, like, steamrolling everybody or whatever. Well,
1: and it's also hard <laughs> to imagine him having a successful relationship if he's like that, you know, self-centered, right?
0: Right.
2: I think too though, like in to defend that that choice, like it could be that when you're wrapped up in Hikaru's head, you just assume that everybody knows that he's not actually as um as bratty as he comes off because he is so fo- like we like being in his head is not reality, you know, like um and like he is a kind friend in the the series, like he mostly manages not to be an asshole, <laughs> right. you know, like he mostly manages to notice other people. Um, um, So I think it could be that the that Arboretum, as as they were writing this, was like taking for granted the assumption, you know, mm. that we would that we would see all of the like the edges uh, around Hikaru that his point of view doesn't necessarily give us Um where he's a little more mature, like that moment when he stops and reflects before he goes into, to play the match against Toya, I always find striking because he, everything just stops with him. Right. Like it's like ever, all the thoughts in his head, just clear. Right. Um, and that moment of sobriety, I think that like somber reflection is such a, a stark contrast to everything else that happens, like the way that his narrative just rushes along. Um, maybe that, type of thing is meant to be more of like an indication that there's more to him just than this um you know this very belligerent bratty um like high energy kid
1: yeah
0: well i, I think those are all good thoughts and i think we can you know stop forcing ourselves here and move into praise also because i think <laughs> i think there's a lot of stuff we want to praise about the story and let's just go around and if if we talk about it at length we don't necessarily need to again but what was your favorite aspect of this story.
1: Well, I mean, I was thinking about Hikaru's characterization, which is why, you know, I'll go and jump off that other point and say, like, it's so much of it is funny. And yes, so much of it feels like, yes, he's very in his own head and self-centered, but there's never anything that makes him feel cruel or uninterested in other people. So I think that there's fun to be had. And I love it because, there are two times that Hikaru feels martyred in the story. Like, one time his mom is like trying to press him about details of, I think, his breakup with Hanai. Hanai? Hanai, yeah. Hanai. Hanai. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, and he's like, never mind, you wouldn't understand. And then he gives a martyred sigh. <laughs> and she's just like, all she said was, like, I'm confused, I don't understand the situation. She's like, you would never understand and so there's these like dramatic silly moments and they're just so funny like i mentioned when he he felt betrayed um by the guy who was interested in him and then wasn't but in that same scene um the guy's gonna explain to him what it means to be queer and he takes a seat and then it says hikaru not to be outdone also sits down (laughs) it's like (laughs) how could you be outdone and sitting down and i just i don't know there's such delight in this whole fanfic i loved it every moment i just wanted to point out this wonderful humor that runs throughout that just kind of punches everything up i mean we already said it was wholesome and it's fun to read and the characterization is good but there's just also this wonderful delightful little stuff so i really like the fanfic
0: I think I'd have to agree with you, Tori, that was probably my favorite thing, is the humor. And part of it is just that it's kind of, it's a flavor of humor I don't feel like I see too often. It's mostly, yeah, about these goofy human reactions, but not in a, like, overplayed, it's not a way that you can perform on screen necessarily, you know? it's just Right, it's so
2: much in the writing, like the writing style, the narrative Mm -hmm. style. It's just such a delight to be in his head, you know?
0: Um, but because you chose that as something to praise, I should probably see if I can find something else. Uh, come back to me.
2: <laughs> well, I, I also want to praise the the way it's written, the way, like, the humor in the narration, the, the way his point of view just barrels along. Like, it doesn't feel like a 10,000-word fic. Like, it feels like it's half that when you're reading because it's so, it's paced the way that he thinks, you know? <laughs> if that makes sense like it just you just really do barrel along like it does feel like you're just tumbling headlong through this this whole through his life the way that he's you know careening from go match to go match to go match you know and you get such a flavor for that like and so i i really love that about the fig um i think my favorite moment maybe it's really hard to choose a favorite moment like i love the moment in the bathroom where um right before hikaru kisses him they're just looking at each other and and they're so satisfied. Like, it's almost like they've had sex without having sex. Like, they're both just, like, in the, like, the the, post, the post-coital the stage of having played each other. Um, and they're just looking at each other through the bathroom mirror. And they're like, yeah, it was fun. Like, it was a fun game. And then they kiss. Like, it's almost, like, anticlimactic that they kiss after that. And I love that. Um, and I also love the moment on the airplane where they're playing Speed Go with a Gobin. Like, there's so many delightful details where... Um, you get a sense of just how, like, how connected they are to each other through Go, but also how obnoxiously obsessed they are. Like, like, this fic is so, like, just always make, like, it delights in showing how obnoxious Akaru is. <laughs> and I love the moment where, like, they're playing speed Go on the, the plane, but they're seated opposite each, opposite each other on the aisle. And the flight attendant has to, like, stop them. <laughs> and it's, like, there's this line, like, Hikaru is momentarily, like, distraught until Akira has the brilliant idea to, like, just play slower. <laughs> like, like and it, you get the sense that, like, his brain, like, he doesn't even think about slowing down and somebody else has to, ta- has to tell him, like, maybe that's a possibility. We could just do this slower. Like, and it's such a perfect, like, encapsulation of, of him and the way he thinks and their relationship and just everything. I love it.
0: And you mentioning... Go in that context, Asia reminded me, I did want to praise, once again, just the portrayal of Go and the fanfic. It seems to take it seems like it would take a non-trivial amount of effort to kind of portray the game in a Hikaru no go fanfic in a way that's kind of consistent with the the original series, where like specific things are happening and like you, the author, need to have confidence in your description of them. But we the reader need to be able to understand that while not knowing anything about Go. Because even when you read through all of Hikaru no Go Tori, that it doesn't tell you I you're not going to be able to play a game of Go. But in the but in the <laughs> moment when you're reading it, you're like, okay, yeah, I totally get, you know, what's happening to the extent that I need to, and I think right, like I could play Go right, right
1: well. now. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand the rules of Go, and I just reread Hikaru no Go*. But <laughs> but in the moment, it, you're there with the Go, and I feel like the fanfic got that really well too.
1: It totally did.
2: And I know that that's something that Arboretum cared about a lot when they were writing, like and when they were reading, too, like they um, they always cared about like how Go was portrayed in fanfic. And so I know that that's that's a compliment that they would love to get. So I hope they listen to
1: this podcast so they can get it.
0: That'll be your job to make sure that they do.
1: (laughs) I'll do my best. Well, I do hope they listen because I want them to hear how much we love this fanfic. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. It's very it deserves all the praise.
0: And speaking of directing people to things, Asia, are you up to anything on the internet these days that you might want to share a link to or anything like that?
2: Uh sure. I um I write about culture for Vox um and so I guess if you want to read my um my writing that I do for my job um which sometimes touches on fanfic, not as much as I'd like it to. Um, uh you can reach me at box.com slash authors slash Asia Romano. Um or you can find me on Twitter at Asia Romano, um, the usual places. Um I'm also on AO3 as Asia shocker. <laughs> um, so but I haven't written fanfic in a while, so um because I just spend too much time like fangirling um Wang Yibo these days and uh Xiao Shan, who are the actors from The Untamed. So
0: Well, that's okay because around here, we prefer our fanfic aged like fine wine. That's true, so develop that distinct, (laughs) you know, aftertaste or patina or whatever metaphor we're using here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, I am also going through like a I've been going through a, a retro Harry Draco fanfic reading binge this last week that came out of nowhere um so that's been my my nostalgia trip lately as well plus this which is i'm so delighted that you guys asked me to do this because i had not really sat down and seriously thought about hikaru no go in a long time and it was a pleasure so
0: well it was our pleasure having you it's been great yeah yeah i've, I've needed an excuse to talk about hikaru no go to people for decades probably at this point
2: <laughs> yeah I yeah mean... you, you do have to come up with an excuse because it's not something you can just normally bring up in conversation <laughs>
1: I'm just honestly shocked that it was so around in the ether of my childhood and I like never read it before. And after hearing y'all talk, I'm like, well, that's the next thing I'm doing.
2: Aw, I hope you Um, enjoy it.
1: Well, it sounds like amazing. I just didn't expect it, you know? So I'm really grateful that we got to have this chat because now I've got something on my reading list other than fan fiction. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And if you want to put this fan fiction on your reading list, anybody... This was episode, I think, 131 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, A Resolution of Territory by, uh, one more time, Arboretum. That's right. Um, And you can find a link there on the show notes. I'm going to link to the AO3 copy, because when there is an AO3 copy, why would I not do that? And you can also find the very short sequel there if you're interested in reading that as well. The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from that same album, and you can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Now, our website is at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic, sitting at the same place. And if you have any questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, if you are perhaps Arboretum, the original author who has listened this far and wants to, you know, give us a Uh, reading criticism and critique about our podcast because out (laughs) is fair play, anything like that. You can contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic, Facebook at RetroFanfic, send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com, and of course you can also leave comments or reviews on whatever podcast service you're using to listen to this. I'm Amato.
1: I'm Tori. I'm Asia.
0: We're just three Earth lifeforms trying to be nice to each other and perhaps step out of our own heads occasionally. Until next time, take care.
1: We didn't prime Asia for the ending.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true, we didn't.
1: I was like trying to point, like... (laughs) I I think it's fine. You sounded a little surprised.
2: (laughs) The, 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 The shocked pause is probably...